When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. We've officially reached the business end of the season, FA Cup semi-finals, relegation scraps and races for the top four. Still plenty to play for in this strangest of Premier League seasons. Just a handful of top flight fixtures this weekend. We'll preview the lot here on Football Social Daily, as well as looking at those tasty ties in the FA Cup with Chelsea the next obstacle in Manchester City's hunt for an unprecedented quadruple and Leicester and Southampton both looking to create their own little slice of history. Welcome along to the daily podcast with a new show every single day of the season. I'm Niall McCorn. This is Football Social Daily and joining us for the show today, it's Sky Sports' Michelle Owen. Hi, Michelle. Hello. And we've also got the Athletics' Sam Lee. How's it going, Sam? Hello. Yeah, all good. Happy days. Right, let's get stuck in straight into the Premier League action. For me, this is the pick of the weekend in the top flight. Newcastle United against West Ham United, Saturday half 12 kickoff. I think with both sides having something to play for, that is the anomaly this weekend because uh, a lot of the other games are not dead rubbers, but certainly don't have as much riding on it as this one does for these two teams. Of course, Newcastle fighting it out towards the bottom end of the table. West Ham fighting for an unlikely top four spot. Do you think the Hammers can continue that thrust for the top four? Michelle, we've discussed in recent weeks on this show the absence of Declan Rice and Mikhail Antonio and how that might affect them, but it hasn't seemed to affect them anywhere near as badly as some people thought. Yeah, I think that's because they've had great backups, haven't they? If you look at the squad depths across the Premier League, you know, it's been key for them bringing in Jesse Lingard. He's been fantastic. Um, A real shame that Declan Rice... Is missing, um, but yeah, they've just kept on keeping on. Um, I think nine points from the last three games, and they were all three-two victories, having gone three 0 up, and that shows character to hold on like that. And mm. Jesse Lingard's just been fantastic. He's he's just come in, and I think he's kept their season going in a way. Not to give all credit to to one player, but mm. um, I was reading just looking at some statistics ahead of this game earlier and they're scoring goals at real key moments um, their shot conversion rate is 32% mm. 
which is the highest amassed by any team over their last three games. Wow. So they're confident too, and they're clinical. Mm. And they're exactly where they want to be right now. I mean, no, let's be honest. I'm pretty sure maybe Sam didn't either. But no one thought they'd be where they are. No way. I, I didn't. No, no way. I thought they'd be down the other end, fighting. Mm. But credit to them and credit to the job that David Moyes has done there. Because, yeah, they're on the same games now as pretty much all the teams around them. And in front of them. If for that for that yeah. fourth spot I'm talking about, so mm. yeah, I'm I'm excited to to watch them against Newcastle. I'm interested in Newcastle's approach to this one too. Mm. For me, it's a case in West Ham's point of view to strike whilst the iron's hot because it's not every day you get a chance to break into the top four. So I think that they'll be ruining that in East London if they don't take this opportunity, one that they forged for themselves, one that they've manufactured, and I think they've deserved it as well with the way they've played. As you say, the last couple of games, especially, even though they've let the other sides back into it. The way that they've managed to, you know, eat themselves into a three-goal lead has been really, really impressive to watch. You mentioned Jesse Lingard there, Michelle, and I know you're not an agent, Sam. You're a you're a journalist like everyone else yeah. uh, on this show. But what do you think Lingard's worth now? Obviously, he wasn't worth too much in the summer, and before he made the loan switch to the London Stadium, he'd only played two first-team games for Manchester United this season. So, in terms of a value that might be put on his head, or even the fact that United might keep him, what, what do you think his value is, is increased to now? I don't know. It feels like the last year has deflated the market a bit. So, it was getting out of hand, obviously, since Neymar, but now things yeah. have kind of come back to earth a little. And, you know, we're still talking players going for about 100 million, so it's not completely normal. But, um, in football terms, it's, I don't know, it still feels like, because if United were to get anything more than 30 million, they, they might feel like they'd be better off keeping him. Like if they're, if they're thinking about selling to, I know there was clubs mentioned like Inter Milan the other week, but if they're thinking maybe Premier League, like Leicester or Tottenham or Arsenal or something like that, they might be thinking, well, these are clubs that try and want to, challenge us why would we be selling him but I think that kind of thing 30 million plus just based on the last few months because I think he can say look I've come through at United I did good jobs there um, it didn't happen for me for whatever reason you know confidence wise and position wise but put me in a team where we can get forward and attack and I'll take you up the table so he's, he's got a pretty strong argument yeah we mentioned as well just there about Rice and Antonio and them being missing but other players have stepped up to the plate Sam, I think that's been the case all season. I mean, when one player doesn't perform, another one seems to step up. I'm thinking of the likes of Socek chipping in with goals. I mean, we said last week that Jared Bowen needs a good month for West Ham in the absence of Antonio, and he's performed well with the last couple of games, and Lingard too, yeah. as Michelle's just pinpointed. Well, obviously, Lingard's picked up the slack with the scoring, hasn't he? So that's kind of helped mm. everyone, because Socek can can stay back a bit without Rice, and he obviously no, Noble... Knows, literally knows his way around that midfield. So Salcek <laughs> doesn't have to get forward quite so much and pop up with those goals arriving late. Obviously Lingard starts further forward, but mm. he carries the ball from deep and obviously he's been he's been kind of getting those goals arriving on the edge of the box, if, especially if you think about the one against well, the ones against Leicester. So yeah, Lingard's kind of picked up that slack elsewhere and yeah, it's helped it's helped Bowen. Um it's just I, I don't know if it's by accident or design, but you're right, throughout the season Whenever you think, oh, I'm not sure about that, then somebody else, somebody else pops up. Um, I mm. mean, th what the key is going to be, and why, why this game is so interesting is the thing I always look out for with teams that are pushing for the top four. Like you say, there's not many weekends where they can actually get into it, but it's one of those. It's such a, a winnable game as well. And you said the fans would be really disappointed, but this is the thing with teams 
racing for the top four. And I don't even mean teams like West Ham. I normally mean teams like you know, United in the past, Tottenham, Chelsea. They've always got great opportunities, but then because they're so inconsistent, they just fail to win. And that's what I'm really looking out for with West Ham, because if they can do this, obviously they won't be home and hosed at, at that point, because they got, especially because they've got Chelsea next week. But their mm. fixtures after that, I don't think they could have designed them any better. Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom and Southampton. That, that's yeah. so... That's a fair so few dead rubbers in there, aren't there? Yeah, exactly. And but I mean, the issue is, I don't think their own fans, even as pleased as they are with the form, they won't they won't be expecting them to win all of those. But if you can beat Newcastle and just turn up for a big game in terms of mm. knowing what it means for your situation, not let the nerves get to you and do the business, then they really will be confident for those games. And obviously, Chelsea next week. Yeah. That, That'd be fantastic. That's something to really look forward to. Yeah, Chelsea have got a massive fortnight. I said that last week, especially with the Champions League game. And then obviously City this weekend in the FA Cup. And I think they've got City again in the league in a couple of weeks' time as well after this. So we'll talk about those two teams a bit later. It's hard to tell, actually, Michelle, who this game is bigger for, Newcastle or West Ham, because obviously two completely different objectives at either end of the table. You're interested, you said just there, about how Newcastle will approach this game against West Ham because they got a massive win against Burnley in their last Premier League game. Alain Samaxaman was absolutely crucial to that. I thought he looked electric. I think he's easily their best player. So what's your take on perhaps how Steve Bruce might go about trying to win this game? Oh, he's their best player, isn't he? You think that when he got COVID back in November, they were struggling in this relegation battle. That's when they really got sucked into it, when mm. he was ill and out of action. And then he comes on, it's only a cameo against Burnley, but he sets up a goal and he, and he scores them. And he's almost in that one act of a substitute appearance. He sort of dragged them out of it a little bit. They've got a little breathing room now, a little bit of breathing room at least. Um, mm. He's he's massive to them. It just, just depends if he's fit enough to start or not, I think, against West Ham. Whether Bruce said he used them sort of as an, and, and Wilson's sort of impact subs. So does he gamble and do that again against West Ham or does he try them from the start? But yeah, Alan St. Maximum, he's, he's brilliant for them and he's been brilliant for them whenever he's been playing. He's Newcastle, to me, they always seem to have um, a star. You know, when, mm. you, when, I, when I look back on who, who's played for them over the years, like just in my memory, not being an avid Newcastle fan or supporter, but I think of sort of um, David Ginola and, and um, the likes of even going further back, Peter Beardsley, like these, yeah. these fun players. And he fits that mould to me. So, yeah, I think Bruce's biggest decision is whether he plays him or not, basically. And I think that's yeah. going to have a huge impact on the game. I think he lights up Newcastle when he plays for them. Yeah. Nothing else about Newcastle really excites me at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's a good point because the fans absolutely love him. They, they adore Alain Samaxaman. He's a, a bit of a character on social media as well. And he's, he's got a sense of humour, which is always great to see. Uh, it, it, often you see kind of players personalities slightly suppressed these days with all the media training and stuff it's definitely but... not going to be him though is it <laughs> I, I hate these social media accounts no like, well, see, yeah. you've, see you've got so many of them obviously Foden's been in the news a bit this week for well, that Mbappe one yeah. 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 has he but sacked like, his so social media company for yeah. that Sam mm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I wish they all would just, just like, do it yourself lads it takes two seconds come on uh, like, either just don't bother or do yeah. it yourself well then you get People like Jolien Lescott tweeting pictures of his new car when oh, Aston Villa had just been relegated. So <laughs> there are car crashes on both sides, I think. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up the point about whether Newcastle should use Sam Axaman and Wilson as impact subs, Michelle, because it kind of ties into what you were saying just a moment ago too about West Ham United. 
having roared into a three-goal lead in their last two games. So, you know, you feel that Newcastle, you know, even if that was the case and bringing those two off the bench, are they going to be able to wrestle back a deficit that strong if that was to be the case? Well, yeah, but how long can West Ham keep going through goals up and holding on to them? You know, like mm. I said earlier, it's a test of character for sure. Mm. Um, and you can't get away from the fact that Declan Rice and Mikel Antonio remaining out with their injuries is a big loss. Um, I think they're waiting to see if Aaron Creswell recovers as well. He picked up a knock against Leicester last weekend mm. and he was replaced in the second half. So it will depend who David Moyes has got at his disposal, but they're on a great run at the moment and they'll go into it with with confidence. Um, and I would imagine, that looking at it overall, they, they will be favourites. Um, mm. And... I mean, despite winning four of their last five, they have actually faced the most shots on their goal mm. of any other team in the league in that period. Um, I think the average was 16.6 per 90 minutes. Now, no offence to Newcastle, but I don't see them doing that. No. So I think they'll be a bit more confident going into this one. Do you think that if they do win against West Ham, Sam, that'll be enough for them to stave off relegation for this season? Or do you think there's still work to be done after that, and by the way, if Newcastle yeah. do beat West Ham, that condemns Sheffield United to next season in the Championship. Uh, yeah, obviously there would still be work done and they couldn't just rest on their laurels with 35 points, but mm. that gap then to Fulham, it looks like it's finally too big. Yeah, uh, Fulham had their chances, haven't they, in the, la- in the last month or so? They've really had the chances where it's like, well, if you win this, you really will put the pressure on. They just haven't managed it. Mm. And it's hard to imagine that they will now. Obviously, look, I mean, particularly Fulham have had great escapes in the past. They do happen. Um, and you, you couldn't rely on Newcastle, even if they did win this one, to then get enough points in mm. the last few games. But it would certainly make things a lot easier for them. And then mm. all of a sudden, you're looking at Burnley. Because if Burnley were to... Burnley and Brighton, if they were to have bad results this weekend and Fulham were to, to get a win... Um, not just this weekend or the one, you know, the one after. Then it starts to bring those clubs much closer into it as well, and Newcastle can certainly breathe a bit easier. So it, it, it helps, and they'd be, you know, they'd be getting on towards Southampton's points tally as well. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. Well, talks of the takeover of Newcastle, which collapsed, uh, involving the Saudi Arabians, have also resurfaced in the press this week. So a few things going on at Newcastle United, perhaps behind the scenes. Anyway, their next test is to take on West Ham Saturday, 12.30 kickoff. And as I just mentioned, if Newcastle do beat West Ham, that means Sheffield United will be relegated back to the Championship. Another side fighting for their lives down there at the bottom of the Premier League table are Fulham. This game kicks off Sunday, 1.30, as they travel to North London to take on Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal were absolutely unbelievable midweek, scintillating against Slavia Prague, Michelle. They, they dispatched them with ease uh, the first half, the way they played, and, and they really had the bit between their teeth. I thought they looked very impressive. Obviously, there's far less motivation for this game, considering it's not the quarterfinal of a Europa League, of course. But do you think because of that, we will see the inconsistent Arsenal, which has plagued them this season, crop to the surface again? Um. Maybe not. You know, they've they've just found a little bit of momentum. Mm. What well, it's a key point in the season now, isn't it? As everyone calls it, the cliche business end. And okay, I mean, you'd expect them to to beat Sheffield United, um, but it's a real. There's two big wins back to back, and it's not easy to beat anyone in Europe. So, yeah, that thrashing of Slavia Prague on Thursdays is huge going into this game you know they're looking to make it three wins in a row albeit in all competitions but 
I don't know if they've even done that this season. Um, well, I think the last uh, yeah. time they did back to back in the Premier League, Michelle was in January. So, well, there you I are. Mean, it's, it's been a, yeah. it's been a while. Um, Fulham have lost four league games in a row mm. heading into this one. So, yeah, you, you'd expect Arsenal to go into this absolutely full of confidence. But then I'm guessing the semi-final with Villarreal will mm. be in the back of Arteta's mind, who he plays, who he's picking now, mm. and obviously hasn't got Aubameyang at his disposal either. So, yeah, I'm, I don't think Arsenal have ever... Well, they've never lost to Fulham at home in the last 29 previous wow. games. So if if uh, you look at stats like that, mm. I, I always try and take things like that with a bit of a pinch of salt, though, because it's a different team every time. But yeah. for Fulham, that's a mental block coming into this, you'd think. Yeah, and actually, I only learned this morning, or I forgot perhaps, that uh, Unai Emery is the Villarreal manager. So that'll be interesting yeah, exactly. when those two yeah. sides square off in the Europa League semi-finals. And talking of stats, there are plenty of stats to go along with this game. If Arsenal don't win the Europa League, that'll be the first time since 1995-96 that they failed to qualify for Europe in some way, shape or form. That's presuming that they don't make a late search for the Europa League spots. And also... Their eight defeats this season, Arsenal, is the most defeats they've had in a league season since 1929-30. So, I mean, if there's any time to take advantage of that poor record, Sam, for Fulham, it's now, isn't it? Do or die time for them in the relegation zone still. They do have a shout with getting out of it, as you mentioned just a moment ago, but they've got to start putting the pressure back on the teams above them. Yeah, I don't know. Something about this game just screams draw. I can't put my <laughs> finger on Arsenal. The well, old the gut week, instinct. <laughs> the, yeah, well, the other week when Arsenal, they got that draw at Burnley, which they should have won. Yeah. Uh, but it, it wasn't really their fault. It was just a crazy game. They'd won the two games before that. Obviously, they'd beaten Leicester. And then they they got another big win away at Olympiacos. Well, it wasn't there. But they beat Olympiacos and then beat Spurs. And you think, OK, things are looking all right. Mm. And I, I'd said after that one-all draw at Burnley on, on this pod with with Fergal I was like the end of the season's quite excited and he, exciting for Arsenal and he kind of was shocked <laughs> because he was like I think he was just like how, no, how can you say that and to be fair I think he's right um, I just can't put my finger on them at all um, as Michelle said you, you would expect them to be Sheffield United there were two big wins in a row but I just get the feeling that European trip mm. big win they might just you know, when I talked about the consistency of these clubs going for the top four Arsenal aren't even that um, and look they might win because Fulham are so poor or, or like them, you know, they might, they might just, they might have found some form, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if this was just one of those really poor draws where Fulham dig in, Arsenal don't create too much, and then it's just, it's just mm. one all or something like that. I can, I can see it being tight. I, I could be completely wrong, but I've, yeah, I've, since that that mad Burnley game about a month ago, I, it's not as exciting as I thought it might be for Arsenal. They're just a very strange team. Yeah, I mean, it feels like we've spoken about Arsenal loads in the last two weeks in comparison to the rest of the season. That's a really weird juxtaposition that we've got going on. Arsenal possibly for one of their lowest league finishes for a number of years. They're on course for that. But also, Mikel Arteta could have won two trophies in 18 months and two seasons as Arsenal manager. I mean, it's a really strange... I guess paradox, I suppose, uh, for the Arsenal boss. They take on Fulham at the Emirates Sunday 1.30. Talking of Burnley, Sam, they travel to Manchester United 4pm Sunday. That one kicks off. They've had a poor season, Burnley, even by their standards. They've obviously got some new American owners who have come in. Uh, There were rumours as to whether Sean Dyche might stay or go. And we've spoken about Sean Dyche and his future last week, especially after reports 
emanated about a possible switch to Crystal Palace in the summer to replace Roy Hodgson. They seem to have settled down a little bit now. But with that American takeover, do you think we will see the new owners spend some more money on players this summer? Because it feels like recruitment has been the real sticking point for Burnley in the last couple of seasons. And by all accounts, it seems the fans want that as well. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they, I'm sure they do. I'm sure every fan does. Um, I don't know the full ins and outs of the takeover, but I know that I think it was a leverage buyout, wasn't it? Yes. And they, and, but I saw something that Burnley had 80 million cash mm. in the bank last summer. So it, I don't know if you're asking me, are the, are the owners going to take, are they going to put the money in? It feels more like a Man United Glazer situation where they've spotted a, a Premier League club, albeit not at the same height as Man United, and gone, That's, that might be a nice way to make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Um, obviously, you know, I'd have spent at times. You, you, the fans say they haven't spent as much as they should. You know, they, they've the of United fans feel that United have a, a decent season and something to build on, and it seems like the board yeah. decide, okay, well they're doing well enough. We don't need to buy our hands in our pockets. I think it's and, the dividends that the owners take out of the club which really irk supporters. Yeah, of course. But then also, like I say, I think there is that. You know, last summer. Well, how in fact, how many of the last summers? It's oh, United. Need, need, a, need a centre-back, need a right-wing, need a forward kind of thing. And then, you know, there was the whole Sancho thing that dragged on last summer and it didn't happen. Mm. And, yeah, so it's, it seems like that might be the case of Burnley in terms of the owners trying to get a bit of a payday out of it. Um, I, might, I may well be wrong. Um, but also, you would think it would suit them, actually, because presuming Burnley do stay up, obviously we've talked about how they might get dragged into it if Fulham get their act together. But presuming Burnley do stay up, they might look at it and think, well, we're not going to make much money if they're going down next season. So they might decide to to buy a couple of players, but um, mm. it, it doesn't it doesn't scream a lucrative takeover to me. No. Well, you mentioned United there. They should now be finishing second, Sam. Really, shouldn't they? It would be disappointing yeah. if they didn't from this position, considering the results last week that definitely went in their favour with Leicester slipping up and uh, and also sort of Chelsea a couple of weeks ago against West Brom. Yeah, um, I don't I don't expect United to. The storm to the to the end of the season, but that said, I, I saw something yesterday about eight clean sheets in the last. I don't think it was thirteen, but something like thirteen games. You know, they they are putting a, a good run together now. Um, I know, I know for a fact that City fans were getting a bit twitchy last weekend, <laughs> even with the huge lead after they'd lost to Leeds, and it was that pessimism taking over in the way that football fans do and going, oh, if we lose this game to what or whatever, and United mm. win all these, mm. but. United aren't going to win all their games, I'm sure. I'm sure, but they have been they have been better recently. The problem is, it's those games like the Brighton one recently, where they go behind and they're they're quite poor and they win, and you think oh, they've they've got a bit of a way to go to to be properly challenging for the title this season or next. But it's still worth three points, and they've still been putting those results together. So it's not all bad for for United at all. I mean, obviously mm. with City setting the setting the standard at the top of the league, they're miles from that, in my opinion. Um, right. In head-to-head games, they've got a good record against City, but they're miles away from winning the title as long as City are anywhere near as consistent. And this mm. is if we circle back round to investment in the summer, then that will help. Um, but I'm a, in terms of Solskjaer, it's very difficult because I think he's he has done a good job and he has taken United forward, particularly in the last 18 months. Um, but it's a difficult argument to make to look at somebody doing a good job and think somebody else could be doing better. But that's kind of how I would classify myself. I do think that you know, around the time everyone was talking about Pochettino, obviously he's off the table now. But when everyone was talking about Pochettino, I did always think that they should have done that and and taken the club to another level because I think Solskjaer has done very well. But mm. 
I, I don't think it's going to be enough to to see off Guardiola and City or even Klopp at Liverpool if, if they get back together next season. And even, you know, potentially Tuchel and Chelsea. So yeah, no. It's and it's gonna a... be, it's like We're looking forward to next season already. But yeah, I mean, if United finish second this season and look, the Europa League's in sight now, then that's undoubtedly a good season. It's not been mm. great. You know, it's the performances haven't filled fans week in, week out. But in terms of putting together enough results to get up the table and challenging for the competitions you're in, although obviously they went out of the Champions League to get there, you like like I say, you you couldn't get rid of Solskjaer. Nobody would be arguing to get rid of Solskjaer in the summer, apart from potentially me. But my opinion, <laughs> my opinion doesn't matter, so it's fine. Well, no doubt he has improved Manchester United, in my opinion. And I 100%. think you're right. A Europa League and second would represent a good season for Manchester United, considering where they were. But there is always going to be that lingering spectre of Maurizio Pochettino. Should they? Shouldn't they? have gone for him when the opportunity was there to to do so. I think because if you look at the way that Pochettino regenerated Tottenham from a team that would finish in the top eight of the Premier League and be a Europa League side to a team with a brand new stadium, excellent facilities, a better reputation and a top four contender reaching the final of the Champions League as well in that time, there's no doubt that Pochettino was the overseer along with Daniel Levy of that project at Tottenham. Um, and there's no reason why he couldn't have done something similar at Manchester United. Anyway, that opportunity seems to have passed, as Sam says, but Manchester United's next opportunity for three points is at home to Burnley, 4pm on Sunday. Just one more Premier League game to talk about, which takes place this weekend. Of course, only four, because there are two FA Cup semi-finals, which we'll get on to shortly. Takes place at Molyneux, as Wolves welcome Sheffield United. This is the late kickoff Saturday evening, 8.15pm start. This is a, a bit of a dead rubber, really, Michelle. I don't think there'll be too many fans... Um, outside of these two clubs set in their skybox to record this one. But from a Wolves perspective, uh, I thought it was interesting how Fabio Silva's performed over the last couple of weeks. He's obviously a very young man still, just 18 years of age, come from Portugal, still learning a new culture, a new language in the middle of a pandemic with a big price tag on his head. There was always going to be pressure on his shoulders, but I think he's just beginning to show signs now of what a good player he could become. Yeah, he's still so young as well. Um, and you think 18, he's still got maybe a little bit of physical development to do. Um, mm. He he was great when he came on against Wolves, wasn't he? I think that's the game he scored in. But he's got a, a big price tag on his shoulders, £35 million. It's uh, a lot of money. It's third goal of the season. Um, he's had quite a lot of criticism from what I've seen um, over the season. But it's just about betting into the Premier League. It's not as simple as just clicking your fingers and it all falls into place. He's 18. You know? yeah. I went to university when I was 18. Yeah. And um, I, I would not be able to think play. Back to what I was doing yeah, when I was 18. I would not be able to play <laughs> at the level that he exactly that he's he's playing at. And I think sometimes we just think, oh, they cost that much, and they should instantly click into to what's happening, and we forget that sort of humanistic element of it. Um, but yeah, he's come over from from Porto, and I think. Um, Nuno Espirito Santo has been saying he's been improving mm. and he said he's got massive potential. He likes his work rate. I mean, that, I think that gets overlooked quite often as well. A player's work rate. If they're going to work hard for you, then you're more likely to play them. And the harder he works, the more appearances he will get mm. and the more he will gel into what the Premier League is. But yeah, it's a massive... I'd imagine it's quite a shock to the system for an, for an 18-year-old to come over here and yeah. also moving over in a pandemic. There's, a, there's so many things you could say in his favour. Mm. So... I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he develops, but like you say, um, there's not 
<laughs> there's not a lot to uh, look forward to, I don't think, particularly in this game. It yeah. is a bit of a dead rubber and Sheffield United just sort of waiting for the news now, aren't they, of when yeah. they are relegated. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on. I think there are so many permeating circumstances for someone so young to come over to one of the toughest leagues in Europe and, and try and prove themselves. I just wonder what your take on this was, Sam, because obviously having covered Manchester City for The Athletic for a few seasons and obviously before that um, as well, you would have seen the development of Phil Foden, who's been in the news this week with his performance in the Champions League and just in general this season. And lots of credit has been thrown Pep Guardiola's way for the way that he's dealt with Phil Foden's development. Obviously, it's different having a player coming up through the academy than it is someone who you sign from another club for a big price tag. Do you think that there's a lot to be learned from the way that Guardiola dealt with Foden and, and similarly things like that can be applied to, to signings coming from abroad or is it a different school of thought? Uh, I, I think there's there's certainly some things that could be learned. I mean, as, as, as well as all of the really good points Michelle made in terms of settling into a new league and a new country, especially at this period of human history, it's not easy. Mm. Like, it's on the pitch, like Wolves are not an easy team to be a striker for. Like they don't, create much and in a lot of games it, it looks like they don't want to create much um, I mean now with Neto injured as well he, he seemed to be the guy that was keeping things going yeah. carrying the ball forward and that's a big blow to Wolves isn't it yeah like, he was just he was the one who was carrying the ball forward and and just trying to make something happen you got Traore doing that sporadically as well but I mean obviously I, I don't know if I don't know if fans are happy it's being acknowledged or sick of it it's being acknowledged too much but losing Jota and Jimenez is almost a killer mm. and I think that's kind of exposed well, like, yeah I suppose exposed Nuno's kind of managerial philosophy really it, without those two it's kind of well let's just make ourselves solid and difficult to beat and mm. that's why they've gone from such an exciting new to the Premier League team that people you know were you know neutrals were happy to accept as a second club or whatever you however you want to put it to now that you just you just wouldn't cross the road to watch them play um, and then so you've got an 18 year old up front fighting off not too many chances they're about mid-table for creating chances, Wolves, across the season. But since the, the start of March, they've dipped below that average. So they're not even in, they're not even playing up to the, what they were earlier in the season. So it's it's been a bit of a miserable time. Yeah. Him coming into the team, it's not easy. But the other side of you know Guardiola and Foden, it's just a physicality thing. Mm. There's been games where he's not played him too much because he didn't think he could play. You know, two games back to back. There was a game at Arsenal. He started in the Premier League uh, Christmas last season. He was doing really well. He got taken off after an hour. Mm. And the joke was, oh, he's resting him for Oxford midweek in the Carling Cup. In Is the that League more Cup. to do with robustness, actually Sam, did. or but actual yeah, fitness? Um, a bit of both. Um, so in terms of like stature and frame, but also just the fitness and the and yeah, just the ability to play mm. two games in a row, he just felt it wasn't there. But obviously the other side of it in City is you've got such great players. Yeah. So, you know. If Foden doesn't play, then you play Sterling or you play Mahrez or you play Jesus or Bernardo Silva. Like mm. the bar has been so high, so it's not entirely parallel situations. And obviously, Silva's had many more opportunities. The mm. other, the other thing is just protect, protecting Foden long term, yes. so he can play. Because if you look at the people who have played the most minutes when they're under twenty one in the Premier League, apart from Gareth Barry, who's Michael like Owen, I think, yeah. and played forever, it's Michael Owen, Michael Richards, Wayne Rooney. Uh, I can't remember the others, but they're they've all basically had their best days by 30 or even retired by then kind of thing. So with Silva, there's there's that element as well. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily dictate how good he's going to be now. That yeah. dictates you know, how much he can, how good he can be for the next 10 to 14 years. But yeah. yeah, now I think the biggest issue as well as coming over and not being able to settle is 
just playing in the t- in a team that don't create too many chances mm. and are struggling a bit. It, it, it's not easy. And yeah. The, the, yeah, the parallel with Foden is, you know, he, he's come through in midfield. Guardiola doesn't think he can play in midfield yet, so he plays him in a position that suits him. Yeah, you know, everything is built around the players having all the right options, and you know, at Wolves, that's just not the case, and it wouldn't be either because of the difference in resources and the, mm. the quality. Yeah, and I think as well, you mentioned about, you know, not having Jota, not having Jimenez, but I think losing Matt Doherty as well, and also Johnny Otto being injured for a long period of time. In those wing-back positions, they were absolutely crucial for Wolves, I think, in the first two seasons back in the Premier League. And since those two have moved on or, or been injured, the replacements haven't quite been as effective. And I think that maybe that has impacted Wolves' performances. Just quickly, let's touch upon Sheffield United, Michelle. Obviously, with your job with Sky Sports, you watch a lot of championship football and you would have been aware of many of the Sheffield United players who performed so well in the season that they got promoted back to the Premier League. Now they're going to go down, as you say. They're just waiting for the news, basically. It's inevitable that they're going to be playing in the championship again next term. Which of the Sheffield United squad do you think may be back in the Premier League next season with different clubs? Which players do you think have impressed enough to warrant a move, perhaps, and catch the eye of some of the other Premier League sides? Uh, that's a good question. No one really springs to mind today. It's um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they've got some loans. Ethan Ampadu will, will go back to to Chelsea, won't he? But I'd expect him to go back out on loan somewhere in the Premier League. Um, I don't. No one really inspires. You know, you look at their their front mm. line: Ollie McBurney, Burke, McGoldrick. Yeah. No one's going to be queuing up to take those players, are they? Sander Birds yeah, looks like think... he can play a bit, but he's not mm. really stood out this season, has he? Yeah, that's no. what I was thinking. He's the only real one that I think would be. Remember, of Ian interest. Bruce is there as well. Yeah, you know, disaster of a so, signing, I think. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's just been a bit of a disaster of a season, and yeah, unsurprisingly, there's not many at all that you'd expect to see in the in the mm. Premier League next season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a disaster of a season for Sheffield United. Certainly hasn't been the case for Manchester City. They've got an FA Cup semi-final this weekend against Chelsea. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. Brand new shows every single day of the top flight season. But it won't be Premier League action we focus on now because, of course, it is the semi-finals of the FA Cup this weekend and the big clashes between Chelsea and Manchester City at Wembley. This is going to be a good game. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, Thomas Tuchel, Sam... He's made Chelsea so defensively sound, aside from the the five goals they conceded against West Brom, which you'd argue was a blip. Do you think they're solid enough to repel Manchester City for 90 minutes? We know how good Guardiola's side are going forward. Probably not. Um, The City's issue would be, as it always is, if they don't take the chances they create. Like against Leeds, yeah. Yeah, like against Leeds. But I mean, even when they've won games, it's been one or two. You know, it could have been three or four kind of thing, but yeah, like like against Leeds. But I don't think, I don't think Chelsea will approach the game like like Leeds did. I know a lot of managers who are you know, who like to play foot, foot football, like Pochettino, for example. They've been happy to to sit back and counter against City, and it'll be interesting to see if Tuchel does this. Um, I've seen his press conference on 
on Friday and he was like, you know, they like to do what we what we like to do. So it would be interesting to see if they both go at it. Um, mm. And the, the bigger problem for City could be if, if Chelsea try and exploit a few spaces that, that City might leave. But it's definitely going to be a really interesting game. And it wouldn't surprise me hugely if Chelsea did win because they're looking pretty solid and you could go, okay, yeah, that had been coming. But I... I do think City will win. I think they'll have too much. I think they want a bit of a roll. The Leeds game was when he changed everyone, you know, and it mm. had, had all you know had all of the ball and conceded a couple of counter attacks. It happens. Um, the result in midweek will give them huge confidence, and also just the way to play. City, after they conceded that goal, they only let Dortmund have one shot, and that was three minutes later, and it was ahead of my corner. So when I'm talking about Chelsea trying to exploit those spaces, it will not be easy because City are learning how to cope with the counter attack. Mm. So. City always create chances. The only issue for me, as I think it is in most games, and it will be against PSG in the Champions League, is will they score the chances they create? Because generally they don't. That'll be the interesting thing. Yeah, you know, I feel the opposite, Sam. Um, on the other side of the coin, in the sense that, you know, I think Chelsea probably do have enough confidence and defensive nows to keep Manchester City, City at bay. But I just can't see them scoring at the other end. I just don't think they've got enough and we've seen enough from them uh, uh, to really make me think that they're going to do enough in 90 minutes to keep City out at one end, but yet score at the other. I just think at the top end of the pitch with the confidence that some of the forward players have um, after what's been a difficult season for the likes of Werner and Havertz and whatnot, I just struggle to see where they're going to score. Although one thing that did spring to mind um, as I was preparing for the show was something Pep Guardiola, I think, said in the past about competing on four fronts and I think this was a few seasons ago and I might have made this up so you'll probably have to correct me Sam but I think he said something like competing on four fronts is impossible or very very unlikely that you're going to be able to be successful in four different competitions I remember that he said something similar did Pep but he seems to be slightly growing in optimism and confidence for a quadruple the more the games tick along yeah, well, I mean, I think recently probably within the last month he just said forget it, it's not going to happen we're not going to win yeah. Four trophies, it, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, obviously, now, you know, he's been asked about it on, on Friday after the Dortmund game. I think while confidence is there, he's not going to say it's not going to happen. It's just easier for him to say, look, forget about thinking that. It's training today, game tomorrow. And that's what he always says. And that's his way of playing it down. In terms of it being impossible, I mean, it it, it might be. But um, I don't know, give it two or three weeks and he mm. could. They could they could have won the Premier League. They could yeah. be in the final of the Champions League, the final of the FA Cup, and they could have won the Carabao Cup. And yeah. it certainly wouldn't be impossible at that point. Yeah. Um, so it is it is getting closer. But um, yeah, it's it's just now where he lost that margin for error last week, rotating against Leeds, which was fine. He took the, the calculated risk to rotate the players and keep them fresh for Dortmund. But now I think he won't do that against Villa mm. next week. And then once they get into May, maybe a little bit, around the PSG games but not that not that many changes yeah. and that might be where things get a bit difficult when you're asking De Bruyne, Gundogan, Bernardo, Rodri mm. you know Foden everyone to play week after week after week that might be where things get a little bit tricky but you know if, if United drop a, a couple of games in the Premier League then it it adds that margin for error back in yeah um, I mean it's they, odd they, though they isn't it because be able to do it. normally by this stage of the season the end of the season at the end of February sorry is the Carabao Cup final so normally City would know if they've got one in the bank already, but yeah. you know they could be in a final, as you say, in another final and win another final, <laughs> um, yeah, and then they do start to rack up pretty quickly. So yeah, in terms of momentum and winning games, the fact that they're all kind of clustered close together, 
um, that may well be a benefit and something that we might never see again because obviously the schedules are set to go back to what they were before next season all being well so maybe it is an opportunity um, favourable opportunity in terms of scheduling even which Manchester City might be able to take advantage of if you think back to the last time these two sides played at Wembley though Michelle in, in a cup final it was a shambles for Chelsea um, obviously they're a different proposition now to what they were even four months ago under Frank Lampard. A lot of the players that played in that game uh, when Maurizio Sarri was the manager uh, are still at the football club. Do you think players nowadays do think back to reverse fixtures and old games between teams? Do you think that's still a a play, a factor at play in the modern game? Well, yes, it's it's certainly human nature, I'd imagine. Having, you know, not played it and a little of myself, but if it was me, I'd definitely still be thinking about it. But you also think about what's different if you're logical about it. Yeah. And um, I, I saw, I think... Um, Ziyech coming out today and saying how different the last um, sort of few months have been under Tuchel compared to Frank Lampard, how Tuchel um, is, has his own vision and all, all these sort of compliments that, that he said. Um, so even though, yeah, it wasn't that long ago that that happened, I think they'll look at Man City and they'll know that they're the underdogs. And Tuchel himself has said there is mm-hmm. there is a gap between them. And you look at where they are in the Premier League and 20 points behind Manchester City, you know, that doesn't lie either. So there's a gap between them. There's been a gap between them for a, for a few years, but I guess it's a lot will be about mentality as well because like Sam was saying, we know Manchester City can create loads of chances, even against the Tuchel defence that Bar West Brom is pretty solid, pretty organised and, and and actually quite free-flowing going forward as well. I would imagine mm. they'll, they'll sit back a bit more defensively rather than, than going for it. So... Um, the players that played in that game last season just have to look at the the different factors surrounding this. You know, different manager, and they have semi-finalists in the Champions League as well. Not, mm. for, not forgetting, so they have some confidence from that too. But Mason Mount as well. He, I, even though he'll probably look at that, look how good he's been this season. And if you're having a, a good solid season yourself as a player, I don't think you're. You know, you're. What's the word I'm looking for? You won't spend too much time worrying about what's gone before. It's a chance to put it right. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I think we could have fans in the ground as well, which would be nice. Um, There are countless criteria, I think, for Manchester City fans to meet, though, getting on specific trains and coaches and stuff down to Wembley. Uh, Or is that going to be for the... uh, I think that's going to be for the the final or the Carabao final. final. Yeah, Yeah. well, in that case, we won't see any fans, but hopefully we will do a Wembley final involving Manchester City very, very soon. Um, If they're going to get to another one, they have to see off Chelsea in the semi-final of the FA Cup. That's the first semi-final which takes place. The second is between Leicester and Southampton. Two sides in a very unusual position. Not often they get to FA Cup semi-finals. Is this a bigger game for Southampton, Michelle, as they've nothing to play for this season, aside from the FA Cup, than it is for Leicester, even though Leicester have never won the FA Cup and they're still in with a shout for the top four? Um, I think it's huge for both of them. You know, each of their respective fans would, would definitely say it's massive. You know, I know Leicester, uh, they could be on for a top four finish in the Premier League, but oh, the chance of, of winning yeah. the FA Cup, two games away from it, it's absolutely huge. So Southampton prob- probably safe now, aren't they? And, and they can throw everything they have at this. Um, but it's an FA Cup semi-final. Anything, cliched as it is, anything can happen in in a in a cup game. And, and that's what makes the FA Cup special, isn't it? You know, 
never know what's around the corner with it rather than it being something in the league that we sort yeah. of have the long marathon through the season. The FA Cup is more of a sprint. So Southampton have done brilliantly to get there. Um, and they'll be looking at it as, yeah, well, one game away from an FA Cup final is massive. I just wish, and I don't know how Sam feels about this, I wish the semis weren't at Wembley. Like, well, take them back whole, to Villa Park or, yeah, or you know, Hillsborough. But, but the whole thing or, yeah, when yeah. I was growing up was the FA Cup final was at Wembley or well, at the Millennium Stadium for a few years. But um, it was just, you know, the prestige of it, the special feeling around that day. And now having the semi-final there, I think it takes it. I just think it takes something away from it, personally. You could have it somewhere else on a neutral ground, just like they used to. Um, and it's and it's a real shame. But yeah, Leicester, massively favourites for this one. And they've had a terrific season. You know, when we were talking about West Ham earlier, I do think people forget how how well Brendan Rodgers has done yeah. at Leicester. They're terrific, you know. Mm. And when you look at that sort of top eight, the ones that have upset the apple cart over the last few years are Leicester and West Ham. And Leicester are third. OK, they're a little way off Manchester United, but... They've been brilliant this season, um, and to, yeah, to get to get to an FA Cup final, mm. I, I know it's not so long ago since they won the Premier League, but it'd be absolutely massive for them. Yeah, they've never won the FA Cup, and I think Southampton have only won it once, and that was uh, well over forty years ago now. So you're talking about Champions yeah, un- League, Champions League qualification as well. You know, yeah. it's it's huge. Yeah, well, certainly you get European football, don't you? More often than not, if you do win the FA Cup, especially for one yeah. of these two sides, uh, presuming that the top four levels itself out, which it will do, I think, by the time the FA Cup final comes around, the Premier League season will be over. Uh, interesting comment that Michelle made about Brendan Rodgers there, Sam, because obviously he's desperate for them to stay in the top four because they fell away on the final day of last season by losing to Manchester United and they ended up finishing fifth and lost out on the top four. He said he is keen for his side to make history and winning the FA Cup makes history considering Leicester have never done that before. But from a financial point of view and behind the scenes point of view, if they qualify for the Champions League, Leicester will get more than £100 million worth of revenue pumped into the club because of that Champions League qualification. And of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic where finances have been far tighter for Premier League clubs than they ever have been. However, if you win the FA Cup, you get nowhere near that amount of remuneration it's nowhere near 100 million pounds worth of revenue but it is glory and it is a moment for the fans to to revel in and another trophy for the trophy cabinet so i think this is an interesting little toss-up which brendan rogers will have i think I maybe think, between think heart and head i really don't think it has to be i don't think he has, has to make the choice um I, the games aren't that thick and fast i don't think he has to think oh we'll, we'll go with this team for this weekend and then rest them because we've got that you city maybe because obviously they've got Villa, which they need to win to try and win the title. But then after that, it's FA Cup, uh, sorry, it's the Carabao Cup final, which they obviously want to win, and they'll go full strength in that. And then it's PSG. So that's huge. But with Leicester, I, I don't think there's that many games and that many competitions where they have to have a trade-off. They could go full strength against Southampton. They could then go full strength against West Brom and, and Palace in the games after. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's, not too much time between them but I, I think at this stage of the season normally we have this conversation in like January when it's a team that's getting well in the relegation places and you think well they they need to keep their players fresh because they've got a big six point in next week but I think it's that late in the season now and both is so close I, I, I think it makes sense to to go for both um, I, I don't think they'll be that too tired you know it's not like they've still got the, the Europa League to worry about yeah um, I, I don't think they have to prioritise one or the other. Uh, and especially with the fixtures, like I say, 
West Brom, Palace, then Southampton, and then Newcastle. Yeah, they got United again late in the season, which is um, kind of a repeat of last season. But I think they've got an opportunity because obviously Southampton, they're not going brilliantly at all. And no. I think on the day, it'll be a very interesting, fairly close game at Wembley. Um, but I, I just think it's a real opportunity for them. And the only issue they've got is obviously the injuries. But I don't think Rodgers will think we'll, we'll chuck one away and go for the other. Not at all. I, I, I'd, I'd be really surprised if he did that. And I, I don't think he has to. Imagine if Leicester win 9-0. Can you imagine that? <laughs> 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 FA Cup semi. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, anyway, that Leicester be, versus well, Southampton <laughs> is the second semi-final uh, of the FA Cup uh, weekend. It's a, it's a loaded question. Who do you think that either of Manchester City or Chelsea would rather face, Sam, in a, in a final? Does it matter? Um, I uh, guess you'd say Southampton because they're not as good. Yeah, simple as that, really. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to come armed with a, lo- a load of analysis to back that up. But yeah, I mean, Leicester can be very difficult. And, you know, if the final would be, what, about six weeks? Mm. They recoup some of their players. I think the Vardy situation is interesting at the moment because he's not, he's not scoring at all. But Iheanacho no. is. And I wonder if it doesn't suit him playing in that kind of setup. But they might find some answers there. And as a as a threat, they've still got the goals in Iheanacho, so it's not too much of a problem. Mm. But with... You know, Madison to come back and just, I don't know, that there's some, there is something about Leicester where obviously City went and beat them quite comfortably the other week, but you wouldn't want to play them in a final because they can sit really deep and frustrate you and hit on the break, which is just a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, Southampton, they can cause you problems. Quite, you know, they'll, they'll probably approach you a bit differently and press high and make life a bit difficult. But at the end of the day, I think City and Chelsea would love that because the more they press you, and the, but the more you are adept at playing out of that press, the, the more spaces you've got to exploit. And I yeah. think you'd, you'd rather play that than a, than a team like Leicester who are happy. Like I mentioned earlier with forward-thinking managers who normally play on the front foot, but when they play City, they're happy to sit back. Rodgers is one of them as well. And he, he's done it a few times. So yeah, City wouldn't want that and I'm sure Chelsea wouldn't either. Yeah, I'm going to be an honorary Foxes fan for this weekend, I think. <laughs> um, best of luck to every side in the FA Cup semi-finals. Of course, Leicester against Southampton, Chelsea versus Manchester City. Four Premier League games as well taking place across Saturday and Sunday. And don't forget, Fergal, Brennan and co will be back on Sunday to run the rule over those results and fixtures, of course, in both FA Cup and Premier League. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that show. But that's it for today's preview show here on Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you, Sam. Have a great weekend and we'll catch you again next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.